When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's the Tom Bernard Show, filling in for Tom Bernard. I'm Dave Schrader, along with... The international women of myself. Wait, <laughs> Catherine Brandt. That's not how it works. Andy Brandt Bernard. <laughs> Mike Molina. He's pointing around. And we've got a special guest in studio with us today. Nicole Remini. We will be back. Stay tuned. This is the Tom Bernard Show. <laughs> Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant. Bradshaw and Bryant. Walzer Automotive continues to grow. They think it's because of their upfront pricing, no haggle or hassle sales experience, and working with one person from start to finish. I think we all know it's because of the loyal podcast listeners. I've said it a million times before. I won't endorse a company that I don't believe in, and Walzer's no exception. I've bought several cars from them, as has my family. I know what you're thinking. Tommy got some special deal. Well, the truth is we pay the Walzer best price just like everyone else. Walzer will sell about 35,000 cars this year, and you can't do that if your prices aren't great. Do yourself a favor. When it's time to shop for a new or used car, go to walzer.com and give them a shot. You won't be sorry. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. We're back. This is the... Tom Bernard Show. Sitting again for Tom Bernard. I'm Dave Schritter. You feel good, Catherine? We got I amped up the lady co- uh, quotient here at the studio today. Uh, hey, hey, we uh, we get a day. You do. 
you know, I, we do. We get a day. I, well, you know, I thought it was important. We a whole day. A whole day of. Uh, well, is is Alex coming in today? Do we know if Alex is joining us too? Yes. Oh, yes. Are we? Are we? We really need to start the um, pool on on bets on how late she's going to be. On <laughs> what days and who's actually going to show up? That'd be good to know. Yes. Yes. I know she is coming in. I, I'm I'm going to give her half an hour late. Half what an hour think? late. So what is Anybody that? She, yeah. It tends to be about right. Twenty five thirty minutes from now, we should see her pop in. Yep. Anybody else want to take a time and throw in money into the pot? (laughs) (laughs) Hour and a half. Wow, really? Hour and a half. You think she's going to make it for just the last 30 minutes of the second hour, so then she has to get out of here? (laughs) She's done it before. Yep. Nice life. Not much belief in this. I like it. Well, there's good news for women, Catherine. Bones that have been discovered on a Pacific island belong to Amelia Earhart, a new forensic analysis claims. Seems we've had them the whole time. But didn't what? some guy today say absolutely not true? Well, yeah, but what's his skin in the game is what I want to know. Amelia Earhart's story is revolutionary. She was the first woman to fly alone across the Atlantic Ocean and might have been the first to fly around the world had her plane not vanished over the Pacific Ocean in 1937. After decades of mystery surrounding her disappearance, her story might finally be coming to a close. According to this article, they're 99.9% sure this is it. <laughs> A new scientific you study. Know, <laughs> it, it's the whole Amelia Hart story is a little bit like, yeah, you go, but then epic fail. It's yeah. like, well, yeah, it didn't end well. <laughs> no, it didn't. But it, lo- it's like you you could hear all the guys back in those days. See, told ya. Woman driver, <laughs> typical woman driver, getting exactly. lost. It says a new scientific study claims that the bones found in 1940 on the Pacific island of Nicomoro belong to Earhart, uh, despite forensic analysis of the remains conducted back in 1941 that linked the bones to a man. The bones revisited in the uh, study Amelia Earhart and the Nicomoro bones by University of Tennessee professor Richard J. or L. Jance were discarded. For decades, they have remained an enigma, as some have uh, speculated that Earhart died a castaway on that island after her plane crashed. The bones were uncovered by a British expedition exploring the island for settlement after the team came upon a human skull. According to the study, the expedition's officer ordered a more thorough search of the area which resulted in the discovery of several other bones and part of what appeared to be a woman's shoe. Other items uh, found included a box made to hold a Brandis Navy surveying sextant that had been manufactured around 1918 and a bottle of Benedictine, an herbal liquor. And uh, there was suspicion at the time that the bones could be the remains of Amelia Earhart. Uh, the 13 bones were then shipped to Fiji and studied by D.W. Hoodless of the Central Medical School. And uh, the following year, that time, Jantz argued forensic osteology that the study of the bones was not yet a well-developed discipline and Hoodless methods of determining sex were inadequate compared to modern techniques. His assessment of the person's sex, therefore, cannot be assumed to be correct. So I'm sorry, my mind wandered. Can you read this all over again? Yeah, definitely. I just think it's interesting <laughs> I just that think after, I have laundry to do. What's after that? all this time, they find that they've had the possible remains of of one of the biggest missing persons in in the world. Yeah, that is amazing. In in their archives, uh, testing on mm-hmm. it, and, and nobody's been willing to. You guys just wow. I thought it'd be woman empowerment. We found your missing gal, and you guys are like, <laughs> we're like eh. yawn. <laughs> Tomorrow what? won't be wow. Women's Day and nobody will care. Wow, that's wrong. No, it's always it's just, Women's it's Day. Just, it's just the convoluted way they had to go about getting this. Yeah. I mean, she must have had a 
Uh, did they think that the the Benedictine belonged to her, or and that sextant thing belonged to her? I mean, well, right. she it would must been, have had some sort of. A, it would have been a navigation tool, and they also found on that island some freckle cream that she used to use. Well, then who else could it be? Uh, I mean, how do really? duty? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, would you? How about a more feel? I, I, I've got a feel good story for you, then, all Catherine. Right, all right, since you okay, weren't interested right, in okay. that. Uh, <laughs> Since both ladies are talking about laundry, go ahead. Boyfriend did nothing as his diabetic girlfriend died. He now faces a manslaughter charge in her death. People are just so amazing, aren't they? You know what I never understand about these things? Like 48 hours in Dateline. I mean, literally every time I watch it, I look at my husband and I go, do me a favor. Don't kill me. You want to divorce me? You want to cheat on me? Just go do it. And like, let's just be done. But don't kill me and like bury my bones somewhere. I don't understand people. Well, and in this case, it's weird uh, yeah. because she was, his girlfriend had diabetes. She went into it, and he did nothing. So is it manslaughter if he did nothing? I don't think legally, no. They, well, I don't think they really have a case. You know, I also, I also know that there are a lot of people, when they're in a very stressful situation, they kind of go into a shock, and they really can't act. It's like some people can rush in and, you know help the victim and do everything they can and some people are just like paralyzed with fear or whatever i mean it's pretty hard to prove how you're going to act in a very very stressful situation yeah like did he know where the insulin is and how to administer it and everything or i mean did he just say like no i'll let her die i don't care was he laughing (laughs) fabiola cosme feliciano was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of two but that didn't stop the florida 19 year old from competing in weightlifting and cheerleading it showed that she can do anything just like everybody else but her cheerleading coach yeah exactly uh, or eat a lot of sweets, apparently. Her cheerleading coach recalls, but uh, she died in December while staying at her boyfriend's house, and now that boyfriend has been charged with manslaughter in relation to her death. The Orlando Sentinel reports the teen who graduated high school back in 2016, according to her obituary, had her medications with her when she left her mother's house on November 29th to stay at Yeshua Ramirez's place, also age 19, but by December 4th, she was dead from diabetes complications. So it's not clear exactly what happened, but when Ramirez was arrested last month, the deputy said that the teen had observed Fabiola's condition deteriorate for a period of several days without providing assistance or calling for help, the Sentinel reported at the time. Now, authorities say Ramirez carried out a drive-by shooting with uh, Cosme oh. Feliciano in the car a day before her death. So they're a really oh, okay. great Some couple of kids. They're a power begin- couple. They're yeah. a power couple to yeah. begin with. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yes. This is all starting to come together. And now is he going to blame that on her? It was her dying wish. How was he as right. a man that loved her not going to let him see or right. shoot somebody? Right. On the day of her death. Well, they, on several uh, days, yeah. diabetes doesn't... I mean, like it's not like you go unconscious and then several days later you die it's you know if you have if you go into diabetic shock you only have hours not days so i don't understand what they're even saying there it seems like i could be i don't know maybe i'm taking a wild stab at this i would guess there might be drugs and alcohol involved and in some cases when (laughs) people are are having a diabetic reaction they can act as though they're extremely drunk or high oh that's true so did he just think she was exhibiting behavior due to what they were doing or did he know she was mm-hmm. quickly collapsing and failing not that i'm standing up yeah. for the guy but it's just it, what a weird story i'm thinking he knew nothing yeah i, I mean they I sound think, like a I couple think, of idiots so honestly yeah. it sounds like a good lawyer could get him off of this yeah, totally. it sounds like an al capone thing where they're like they want 
to get him because they know that he's done some you know, bad things, stuff. Yeah. But they, yeah, exactly. So now they're like, well, if we can't get him for that, then we'll get him right. for this. Let's, but like let's I said, I don't tax think... Evasion. <laughs> Or accidental yeah, murder. Exactly. Accidental murder. Well, it's murder. like these couples, you know, where, where the girl has a peanut allergy. Right. And the guy was, you know, eating a peanut butter Reese's cup and then went and kissed his girlfriend, not realizing the effect it was going to have on her. Right. And then she's gone within hours. That's holy mackerel. Yeah. That's Talk about crazy. Uh, well, did you guys see today there was a news story about, I think it was in California, where that kid was dangling off the ski lift? No. Did you guys see that? So the ski instructor is literally holding her by the uh, collar okay. so she doesn't fall. They come, they put the thing underneath her, the kid falls, she drops in, she's fine. Well, there's the parents are wanting to sue the ski lift company because they said it was icy on the lifts and nobody should have been on it. But they're saying they won't even give us the medical reports of our kid because we heard from the paramedics that our daughter was unconscious. Well, she's probably unconscious because she was being strangled as she was being held by her collar. Right. But she wasn't unconscious. But the whole thing with the ski lift, have you guys been on a ski lift? No. Yes. They're like they're kind of scary. They're kind of scary. So So you think yeah. it's kind of like when you're stepping on there, you're kind of taking your It's user error in my opinion. <laughs> like you li- you literally you sit and you do not move. If you move, uh, you're you're going down. Well, I've fallen off. Yeah, the my ski niece. Lift see, <laughs> yeah, my niece. My niece fell off of one, and she now has uh, epilepsy because of it. It's crazy. So, yeah, I mean that's it's not all that uncommon for people to fall off chairlifts. But so, it was just amazing how they're like, "We want answers. You want answers? It's a ski lift." It was an well, icy you, ski lift. Well, it, don't they? Don't, how do you fall off of it? I mean, don't, shouldn't shouldn't they have like a, a foot thing? So it, oh, I guess they, you can't because you got your yeah, skis yeah, on. Yeah, you have your skis. You literally are sitting on. Isn't there a seatbelt in there? You can nope, connect. Wow, no seatbelt. That seems like bad planning <laughs> all the way it around. Does. There's yeah. a there's a bar that comes down. Sometimes, sometimes, not yeah. The sometimes you just hang on to the, the side. In the mountains, usually there's you know something decent. Yeah, to I mean, she fell twenty feet, in, but like twenty five feet, and they're like she was unconscious. Wasn't from the fall. Like, come on, people. I think it's crazy what people go after. We're now suing them. Really? I mean, she fell 25 well, feet. Well, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the chairlift company's fault if the people that are running the resort yeah, let no. people on in icy conditions. Yeah, right. they, uh, as soon as they sell the thing, I mean, unless it's found that it was like a manufacturing error they knew about. Right. But in that case, we'd be hearing a lot more of these. Well, right. Uh, what I understand, whenever there's a lawsuit, you just you just sue everybody, right? Anybody that's yeah, involved. Seems so to you be can the case. More money. That's what I've been <laughs> doing wrong. More money. <laughs> sue everyone. My lord. No. <laughs> I, I do have some. Welcome to America. I do have some good news for Tom, though. Uh, looks like the Sopranos are coming back. What? There's a prequel oh, in the works. David God. Chase has said that. Uh, They've, they've uh, got together. It says, all the fans who didn't stop believing for more Sopranos are finally getting what they wanted. The hit HBO series, which is widely regarded as the best TV drama ever made, is getting more screen time with a prequel film with the working title The Many Saints of Newark, according to Deadline. New Line has purchased the script written by Sopranos creator David Chase and one of the show's writers, Lawrence Connor. The film is set during the 1960s riots in Newark, New Jersey, between the African-American and Italians. Uh, I don't know. How do you feel about that, Melina? Is that something uh, you want to see a prequel storyline of that, or is that just reaching? Uh, a little bit of both. I mean, it's not going to be the same, obviously, uh 
No. You know, once James Gandolfini passed away, but I don't know. I give it a whirl. It says some of the some of the characters from the original series would return, so you'll see younger versions of Tony's parents, uh, and you'll see some of the uh, the main characters in their their younger forms as they're coming to uh, power. Isn't that funny though? As if an Italian smart. girl from Brooklyn, uh-huh. like I never watch. I think I watched one episode. You and missed I, it. It's I a never, great series. You know what I it is with that it. show? Growing up Italian it's a guy show. I guess it is, but growing up, you know, in Brooklyn, Italian. I mean, we have some mob connections in our family. There's what? a book. There's a book. There's a um, book. There's a book. Um, listen, at this point, I'll out them. Um, there's a book. But anyway, they... Can you do it the day I'm not hosting, please? Just out, out them on another day. <laughs> but it's just so funny. Like, the, the very first episode or maybe the second episode, the kids were so disrespectful. And I'm like, growing up in a house like that, I never would have talked to my parents like that. So I, they lost me. I'm like, not real. Out. Mm. I'm out. But I think they're doing it more contemporary, the way that kids are more smart mouth now. And Boy, kids are bad. Yeah. Kids what were you starting bad. to say, though, Andy? Yeah. If, if they were smart, what would they do? Uh, they'll have the uh, actors of the original play their parents in the movie. Oh. Uh, no, because then people will be like, oh, yeah, I remember yeah, them. That's a good they, idea. Yeah, they'll, they'll have the celebrity draw, but, you know, they can't play the characters, obviously. Uh, so they'll have to play something, and their parents make sense because, you know. If you look like your parents, well, you look like yourself, so there you go. Would you rather <laughs> so see a prequel, is. though? See, to me, cop-outs are prequels. Would you rather see a prequel, or would you rather see them just 20 years in the future? Tony's dead, and we pick up a new storyline. Yeah, that makes more sense, I think. I Godfather 2. I think prequels are just trendy right now. Yeah, well, they've, yeah, they always have been. You kind of just go back. I guess it's an easier point to tell in time. But is yeah. that, I don't know, right now do we need to see more about race riots in 1960? Oh, Lord, no. Yeah, that was a weird choice for setting, I think. Well, you know, I guess if you're going to the prequel, you got to go to the time era that Tony would have been growing up, so they're going to have to That's combat true. that. But Why I don't have yeah, them grow up in, like, show, you yeah. know, Boise. <laughs> that's a prequel they, to the prequel. <laughs> then they move to the East Coast and become uh, super Italian. <laughs> super Italian. They were From just the kind of partly Italian. Yeah, out in Boise, Idaho. You got my potatoes? Where's my potatoes? All right, we need to take a break. We'll come back. We've got more stories to share, and we'll be joined in a little bit by Dahlia Schweitzer as we talk about uh, killer vi- viruses, zombies, and the end of the world. It's a cheery day here on the Tom Bernard nice. Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking, and they always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Did you know that 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years. But did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed. And I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age when my vision started to fade, so called up the folks at Whiting Clinic, and they helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. 
Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology options, so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery and clearer vision, attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020 to reserve today. Space is limited, so don't delay. That's 855-555-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Tom will be back in studio on Monday. We've got some some news here. Uh, China's heavenly palace is tumbling to earth within the next few weeks, experts say. Two new estimates suggest that the Tiangong-1 space lab will fall from space in an uncontrolled re-entry in late March. What could possibly go wrong with that? <laughs> and where's, I where's see it nothing hit? that could go wrong. Right. It says uh, that uh, it's going to tumble in, according to a highly variable estimate put forth Tuesday. The European Space Agency <laughs> predicts that the nine-ton craft will fall between March 29th and April 9th. That's on course with the prediction uh, of nonprofit aerospace, which foresees a re-entry in the first week of April, give or take a week. The space lab, which can be tracked, dropped below 185 miles in altitude in October. It's currently hovering at around 160 miles in altitude. The craft is expected to burn up in the atmosphere. Hopefully. That's the whole point, right? Yeah, but it, but it yeah, says, but... Parts could hit U.S., Portugal, Spain, Italy, the Middle East, and China in parts of Chile, Argentina, Australia, New Zealand. But other than that, everything else seems That's pretty good. clear. I'll plan so my vacations around be, it. Yeah, we should all be sitting in a very fast car in the middle of nowhere. Yes, that'd be great. Uh, I'll be in my concrete <laughs> lead-lined bunker in Circle Pines, Minnesota, oh. where it's, it's safe. Uh, I don't know. Boy, you got <laughs> We're joking around about the zombie virus is coming. we got to worry about space junk collapsing on us. Although they said right now, uh, the guy on the news this morning said the statistics to be hit by any piece of the space junk is a million times more rare than winning the Powerball. Huh. Yeah, there's, oh. there's a lot of Earth out there. Yeah. There is. But- yeah. I just don't yeah. know that it well, knows that's... how to direct itself to just the parts that nobody's <laughs> hanging out in. Well, it's like yeah. you know, it's like tornadoes hitting trailer parks. You know, you just never right. know. <laughs> you keep building it in their pathway. You're asking for trouble. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't like these words erratic and widespread. Yeah. And well, it's unknown. only going to hit uh, 30 of don't the 40 like countries words. in the world. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's still pretty good odds. Chances are yeah. you're okay. Uh, so you guys, did you follow the news when? Uh, Cecil the lion was murdered by a Minnesota Oy. dentist. Yes, murdered. Oh my murdered. god! Murdered. <laughs> I'm filling in for Alex uh, yes. right now. <laughs> what else? Is, yes. is there when more? Is there more to the story? <laughs> when that lion popped out with his knife and was threatening the life of this poor dentist in Minnesota. <laughs> It seems when Cecil the Lion was killed back in July of 2015, animal lovers around the world mourned. Andrew Loveridge had a heightened reason to be distraught. The Oxford University researcher had spent eight years studying the animal in Zimbabwe, and he's now sharing what the Washington Post calls the first detailed account of Cecil's last hours. Oh, my Lord. In a new book, Lionhearted, The Life and Death of Cecil and the Future of Africa's Iconic Cats, 
It'll be out in April, but National Geographic yeah. offers an excerpt. Uh, Loveridge writes that the hunting party used an elephant carcass, presumably dragged behind a land cruiser, to the proper spot to lure Cecil, who was then shot with a bow and arrow by Minnesota dentist Walter Palmer, who I'm sure is very happy I'm bringing this story back up. Uh, he hit him from a hunting blind in a nearby tree. Death did not come quickly for the poor lion. Uh, using GPS data from the tracking collar Cecil was wearing, they determined that he was likely shot between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. on July 1st. Between 11 p.m. and 7 a.m. the next day, he moved about 500 feet. Well, if you hit him with an arrow and he didn't move that far, what was the, the delay? Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Hit him with another arrow. Yeah, why not it's, go uh, in and put him out of his misery? Would you bring one arrow to Africa? <laughs> He's just, it's <laughs> it's very expensive to, to kill a protected lion, Andy. You only get one arrow. Uh, here's I'm not a hunter, so I don't know. Are, did you ever go hunting with your family at all, Mike, at all? No. No, oh, no, no. We are I mean, not aside, hunters. Aside from your mobster ties, Nicole, did you ever shoot anybody nope. besides man? No. <laughs> no. Andy, are you no, guys we big just, hunters? We just stick to humans. Yeah. Are you nope, guys big hunters? hunters. No. See, I, I no, would think I, though, if I, I saw a lion, I spent some time on a game. I spent some time on a game preserve though, uh-huh. and the explanation of how things work in those con- in a lot of countries that have game preserves, right? It's not as simple and as easy as we would think. Just because something is protected does not mean it's actually protected. Right, but if bribery, you're a hunter, if, if you're a hunter who on. claims that you were really only going where your guides took you, wouldn't the first clue be to you that the the lion has got a collar that's blinking and well, beeping? Well, I think that's what they all can the con- explain anything away. Hmm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, they can just say we, you know, they keep track of all of the lions. Not, you know, that's how we do it. <laughs> You can be lied to. You just, you know, people are out to make money in these, you know, and a lot of times they're very poor countries. Yeah, if your guide lied to you, and, you know, that's not really necessarily your fault. And they, it happens a yeah, lot. I'm sure the dentist didn't go over there and say, you know what I want to bag? A protected animal that everyone knows in a protected area. Can I please do that? I'm sure he's just, you know, said he wanted to go big game hunting, and they said, okay. Yeah, because not all lions are protected. No, I mean... The game preserve I was in in India, they tie goats to trees to bring in the uh, animals so that the big game hunters can come and see them. I mean, nobody's screaming about the poor goat. (laughs) I would. Right? I would be very. That is like <laughs> why? Why? Because the I, I goat know, it's is horrible. I think that's. I think that's worse than going out and actually trying to find a lion and tracking it on your own and actually hunting. Having a li- yeah, dragging a live animal behind. That's terrible. Yeah. And I have to. I, I the, mean, honestly, yeah. I want a goat. <laughs> you want to go? I want a goat. Oh, you want a goat? No, I thought I you didn't. meant you want to go big game no, hunting. No, never, never. I'm not one of those people. No, no, me neither. No. But you see, there's times, no. though, that you have to fend for your life against these monster wild beasts. Well, if Cecil was on me and I had to d- decide, do I kill this uh, mm-hmm. big lion with a collar, blinking collar on versus my life, Cecil will probably be hurt. I probably hurt. won't win. No? You would definitely go Italian. <laughs> but my Italian Brooklyn would come out. <laughs> Cecil and I would go a few rounds. <laughs> Well, a kayaker did not come off so well in Florida. <laughs> no, no, not in Florida. It's true, in Florida. Sue Specter needed stitches after a tussle in Florida. Oh, Sue. See, Florida's just a place that wants to kill you. It's America's Australia. <laughs> Everything in Florida wants to kill you. Uh, Sue yep. Specter. Yeah, you do th- want to 
avoid any sort of swamps or yeah. you know mangroves or anything. <laughs> right. You know what? We were in the Cayman <laughs> Islands this summer, uh-huh. and they took us to an area where literally you could just reach right into the water, and there were crocodiles right there. And a woman yeah, almost. We were in the Cayman Islands, and I mean, literally, just right off the dock, she dropped her hat. That crocodile that was underneath the dock flipped oh. around so fast. We were talking Nasty. to the guide. He ran and literally tackled her. I will say she was a little drunk. Oh, my gosh. This is a whole other story. Wow. I threatened to beat the <laughs> girls. Um, but she was going to, she's like, I'm going to go in and I'm going to wrestle that gator. Like, that's literally how she oh talked. But that is how close they were that you literally could reach in for your hat. And that's how close they were. Well, you know that and they took us on south, a tour. Well, down south, they go out in these little aluminum craft boats. Yeah, I have no interest in that. And they go, yep. they go fishing right next to them. And yeah, I did, don't need to do that. Right. Well, it says here, Sue Spector thought the sighting of an otter. Right, that's not the one you would think. Maybe an alligator, maybe even a Florida panther. Right. Maybe water moccasins sure. would be what you got to yeah, worry about. That that sounds nah. scary. A water killer moccasin. killer otter. <laughs> Just a sighting of this otter would cap off her pristine Sunday morning spent kayaking on Florida's Braden River. The guide leading her group said to keep her eye out for swimmers, per the Bradenton Herald. But when one came into view, its reaction was unexpected. All of a sudden, the otter jumped on the kayak. Two seconds later, he jumped on me, 77-year-old Spectre tells Fox 13. Hearing the screams, Spectre's husband, who was kayaking ahead, flipped his boat. I was in the water with a paddle just trying to beat the otter off her back. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. What? He beat her off his back with a paddle. Right? And he's cracking her over the head. Honey, I was just trying to get the otter. That's what the 78-year-old is saying. I thought you were having a diabetic fit. (laughs) He says the damn thing just didn't want to come off of her. Spectre says she also hit the otter with the paddle before her own kayak turned over. After a tussle in the water, the animal released its grip leaving Spectre with bite and scratch marks on her arm and nose, and according to her guide, an earlobe dangling. It chewed her earlobe off. You know, I'm I'm calling Spectre out on this. Spectre was taken to a hospital where she received stitches and rabies treatment. A second woman who was scratched also received treatment, but Spectre thinks she was lucky. A life jacket protected her back from the otter's claws, and by some miracle, I didn't have any injuries on the top of my head, Spectre says. Noting the hat she was wearing was left in tatters. (laughs) I don't know why this is so funny to me. Oh, my God. Well, because the visualization in my head is is actually kind of hilarious. But maybe she wandered into, like, where its babies were or something? It's just a fuzzy bunny. (laughs) Because they're actually pretty big. I right, mean, an otter probably every weighs, video, I don't yeah, know, 60 pounds, 70 pounds? Did you, did you just pounds? see that cute otter story? Right. Like on Facebook, somebody was there's posting millions there's millions of otter videos. It's like adorable. jumping out, playing with the dog. It's like rolling on the They're floor. They're so cute. They're so... I, that's why I'm They're saying... They're killers. They're hidden killers. <laughs> yeah. I think she was, provoked it. Or was this like a Brooklyn otter? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you paddled Yeah, I'm guessing she really? like waved a fish for it or something. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, I'm And is now blaming it. On the, yeah, she's so embarrassed. She's or she was, she was older, underneath the baking sun, maybe she kind of smelled like jerky. <laughs> oh. I'm just trying to, any kind of, what's the reason? Yeah, like don't dogs react that way right. to like, you know, certain oh. people? Maybe that's what happened with the otter. <laughs> that is unbelievable. It just you know, I don't know if you hear this very often. I mean, is this a common thing? An otter otters attack? I've attack. never heard it. When that's otters like, attack. When otters attack on fox. <laughs> 
Honors in tech. Well, I, you know, we went, my grandfather uh, spent his last years in Louisiana. And he comes out, we used to go fishing all the time. He goes, let's go fishing. I'm like, sure. So we go, and we get in a little aluminum boat. And we're like, I don't know, six inches off the water. And uh, the, the guides that loaned him the boat were very nice. They're like, oh, have a good day, Mr. Cliff. And we go rowing out there. And they made some comment that I didn't understand. And as we're, we're out in the middle of the water, I go, so what did, what did he mean by that? And he goes, oh, that just meant that the water's pretty uh, busy today. And I go, oh, are there a lot of boats? He said, no, a lot of, a lot of gators out today. Ugh. I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, just a lot of gators. So we're supposed to reel the fish in quickly. And I'm Oy. like, wait, what? So I, I was like 14 years old. And... And he's my my grandfather's a World War II vet, right? right. Uh, paratrooper, <laughs> concrete mason guy. He's just nothing phases him. And all of a sudden, he starts pointing out all the alligators floating around our boat. He goes, "Oh yeah, they wait till oh you catch God. them and then they grab your fish from you." What? I'm like, "Yeah, can we go bowling?" Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah, we we did an Everglades uh, airboat ride one time, and it was just astonishing how many alligators are out there on that Lake Okeechobee. I mean, there were thousands of them yeah, do you want to be just I, in, a, in a lake in florida I, do you want to be in a little no, kayak no no I, I no rivers no lakes no, nothing i don't I, even pools like, have alligators like, in you're them. like alligator bait <laughs> i just don't need to be that have you seen the you know? footage uh-huh. of like when when the storms hit a year or two ago people were turning the lights on in their pools and they had alligators <laughs> in their pool <laughs> no dun, 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 the alligators are like yeah, it's rough weather man we need a <laughs> can we hit the pool do you guys mind if we check out the pool <laughs> And how about people, if you just pop in the water? Yeah. You're well, not... remember a kid got killed on a Disney property, what, a couple yeah. of years ago? Got, oh, yeah. Got pulled into right. the water. Yeah, but that was, yeah. it yep. said, beware caters. Yeah, well, I think all of Florida should just be a giant right. sign saying Any beware. place there's water, maybe not go. Yeah. Right, that's all. And They're that on the golf courses all the time. I was yep. just going to say, yeah. just... that's the last yep. time I went mm-hmm. golfing with my dad. He said, let's go. We went in Florida. Pensacola, Florida, we go out golfing. I'm not good as it is, so I always slice and I put it in bad places. Uh-huh. He goes, go get your ball, and I go walking down there, and there's an alligator. <laughs> and then 10 feet away yeah. from it is a water moccasin, and my ball is in between, and I'm like, I'm going to need another ball. <laughs> my dad goes, just go get it. I go, no. He couldn't <laughs> no. see what I could see, oh, and I'm yeah. like, I'm not going down there. He goes, stop being such no. a girl about it. And I go, get over here. And he comes <laughs> over, he goes, yeah, let's get another ball. Yeah, no kidding. My That's Lord. the last time I'm going to yeah. play that game. And you're, yeah. And, you got a ball in between an alligator and water moccasin. Like, huh. Which way do I want to go here? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, what are the odds? So what, what's the attraction for Florida again? Warm weather, I don't know. crazy people, bugs beaches. that want to kill you, beaches but filled with shark-infested yeah. waters. Yeah. I, uh, and, and hurricanes. Of, and I'm actually going in wimps. April, so thank oh, you. What a bunch of wimps. <laughs> uh, it's great as long as you don't go You outdoors. call yourself a man? Uh, I love Florida from inside my hotel room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Does that make me a bad guy? Uh, yeah, you can't even go to Disney properties without the probability of being eaten by something now. Yeah, well, you're safe if you go to Disneyland. Just don't go to Disney World. Well, we will talk about things in a much happier light when we return. Uh, promoting her book, Going Viral, Zombies, Viruses, and the the end of the world. Dahlia Schweitzer <laughs> will be joining us. We'll be talking about everything from 28 Days Later to 24 to The Walking Dead, movies, TV shows, and more. What is the attraction to the idea, and why are we also fascinated by massive outbreaks? We'll find out when we return. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow, and I love it. It's very comfortable. Stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. 
Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. MyPillow is offering more than 50% off his four-pack special, which includes two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. Good job, Molina. You're tuned in to the Tom Bernard Show. Sitting in for Tom, I'm Dave Schrader. Tom will be back Monday. Joining us now on the show, Dahlia Schweitzer is a pop culture critic and acclaimed writer of film, television, music, gender, identity, and everything in between. She's the author of several books, including Cindy Sherman's Office Killer, Another Kind of Monster, her new book, Going Viral. Zombies, viruses, and the end of the world. Welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us, Dahlia. Thank you for having me. It's a cheery day on the show, so it's a good time to talk about this. <laughs> you, you would think it was October. Right. It's the, uh, the, the zombie viruses. Why are we so fascinated, do you think, by, by these viral movies, TV shows, and, and series? I mean, there's Walking Dead, The Strain, all of these different kind of uh, shows pop up regarding the end of the world scenarios and, and how close we are with all these diseases going crazy. Um, obviously, there's a complex answer to that question uh, because it took me about four years to kind of dig into it. Um, but I think one very real answer for why we're so obsessed with all these end of the world scenarios is that a lot of people feel like they're not that unrealistic. You know, like they feel mm-hmm. like this might be just around the corner and this becomes sort of the way of, you know, um, seeing what might happen and how things would play out so that you're kind of more prepared for it. And then I think another reason is also that people have sort of had it up to here with the white noise of contemporary living and this notion of, um, you know, you have to pay your mortgage and your credit card and your cable bill and you have to just do, you know, keep up with Facebook and keep up with Instagram and it's all this blah, 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 blah. And so there's been this kind of romanticizing of, you know, what the world would look like when all that nonsense was gone, you know, and the only thing you have to worry about is surviving. Romanticizing? I think we're watching different series, Dahlia. (laughs) No, I think the fact that we're so obsessed with these shows shows obviously that we're 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 not all being masochistic by watching them. 
Is it just you to know, try to make us feel like the where we at in our lives is not as bad as it could be? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a large part of it. But I feel like a lot of people think, I mean, you know, you see things play out, like what, with the riots in Ferguson. You know, I mean, I think at the, the back of people's minds is this knowledge that it seems like we're kind of just a few hours away from social collapse at any given point. You know, it's like it just takes a couple things and then it's like, boom, social order falls apart. So I think yeah, we're, and then- we're both afraid of it and fascinated by it. Well, we also have a history. I mean, you know, I mean, Europe has had millions of people wiped out by viruses. Right, right, right. But that's, I think, that's a separate issue. I think what's interesting about a lot of these um, sort of contemporary narratives, like The Walking Dead, is that the the outbreak has already happened, and we've kind of fast-forwarded through all the, like, gory parts, and now we're looking at okay. what is the end of the world going to look like, and it's ironically an end of the world where the, the most threatening force is other humans. Do you think, Dahlia, you know, I, I host another show and we've talked about this aspect in, in the past, but isn't it interesting when there are these cycles that come through of these killer viruses, swine mm-hmm. flu, bird flu, uh, Ebola, whatever, it always seems like it coincides with something else big in the news that suddenly that story gets deflected to how we're all just a breath away from being wiped out of existence by whatever new disease is being brought into our country. A hundred percent. And there's even documentation. Some researchers looked back um, at the Korean War mm-hmm. when people were warning of, like, you know, biological warfare. And we had to, like, spend money on biological warfare prevention and protection and all that stuff. And then looking back on it, it's kind of like the weapons of mass destruction where no one can find any actual proof that this was happening um, and that the country that has the most funding for biological warfare is, of course, America. Um, So I think there is a very deliberate manipulation that's going on for a variety of reasons. And I think one is 100% to deflect. I mean, heart disease is much more likely to kill you than Ebola. But yet, we don't really hear about heart disease and diabetes in the same kind of like sensationalized way. Or wild otter outbreaks in Florida, apparently. (laughs) Right, exactly. Exactly. Why why are we so terrified of viruses like Ebola? I mean, a few years ago in the news when that story of of one of the people getting into our country with it, uh, you know, the whole world was gripped by this story. And, oh, my God, this is it. This is the beginning of the end. And we're so fearful of something that is it because we don't know enough about it? We've only seen the Hollywood versions and that's why there is this overwhelming fear i think that's a hundred percent part of the problem and i know like when we had that outbreak in 2014 and people were losing their mind and there was the doctor in new york who rode the subway to the bowling alley and the bowling alley was like closed down for a week and people said they were never going to take the subway again and it's just like okay calm down you know it's, it's really not that easy to catch ebola it's not like you know, if you happen to be in the same room as someone who's infected, you're, you know, doomed to die. Uh, But I think part of the overreaction is 100% that we keep seeing Ebola on TV as being this incredibly graphic thing. And of course, on TV and in the movies, they're always fictionalizing it to make it more dangerous, you know, so they're always making it like, oh, you can catch it in the air, right, which doesn't actually happen. So part of it is totally that we have this kind of irrational... Um, fear that's been uh, played into by politicians and Hollywood and all that stuff. But then I think another thing that's really unique about viruses, and this is in the book I talk about the connection between viruses and terrorism, 
is there's, I mean, we're also irrationally afraid of a terrorist attack. Right. Um, and I think the two tap into a specific kind of anxiety, which is that there's nowhere that you can go where you're safe. And I think people, like if, for instance, with HIV, there's this notion, oh, if I'm a good person and I don't have unprotected sex and I don't use drugs, um, I'm not going to get infected. Whereas with Ebola, people are like, oh, my God, I could be a good person and I could do all these things and I could still get infected. Right. And I could be in my summer home and I could get infected. Right. So there's this notion that like nowhere is safe. And I think that taps into a different kind of fear. Whereas like, again, with heart disease and diabetes, people feel like they have more agency over that. You know, it's like your behavior is going to affect whether or not you get it. Um, so I think that's part of the reason why people are so freaked out by viruses. Is, is it the media's fault, do you think, that there's such an overwhelming fear? The way they play these stories up and, and the way 100%. they let them unfold, right? I, why why take that tact? Why not just educate people instead of putting the terror into them? Oh, because if, are, you, are you more likely to buy a magazine that has the headline, Ebola outbreak threatens world, or Ebola outbreak no big deal? Well, but wouldn't it make sense that you maybe use the, the headline-grabbing deal, and then within the article, you then unfold the real story and that, you know, it's probably not going to happen. We're, we're safe. This is how it actually goes. I understand that we are a weird culture. We're weird people, <laughs> right? We're terrified. Yeah. We want to read the bloody, gory headlines. But if we can right. really feed the information to people instead of just feeding the fear, it seems like people would be intrigued with it anyway. They'd see the flashy headline and then pick it up and learn that, okay, this isn't as bad a thing as we thought. I mean, I think that definitely happens. And in my book, I talk about situations where you'll have like a magazine article that will have something like, you know, will Ebola kill us all? And then in paragraph three, there'll be a doctor who says, no, Ebola won't kill us all. Right. But it's buried in paragraph three. And a lot of people might not even read to paragraph three, right? They just see the headline and that's all, you know, they put two and two together. Um, so I think there's definitely this kind of sensationalizing because that's what sells magazines. That's what, um, you know, gets people to go to the movies. But also, I think really interestingly, and not a, a lot of this inflation comes from the doctors and the scientists. And I don't know if they're doing it to say, you know, make sure that they get enough resources and funding and all that stuff. Um, but like in my book, I talk about, you know, the World Health Organization saying that they're going to be like 7 million deaths due to this upcoming virus, you know, or the World Health Organization saying like 1 billion are going to die or the flu is going to kill 150 million. And then that gets reported. And then when they're like 100 deaths, that's not as interesting a news article, so maybe that's buried in there somewhere on page 18. I have a theory, and I don't buy into okay. conspiracy theories often, Dahlia, but, but hear me sure. out on this. Okay. About five, six years ago, there was this breakout of this zombie-like um, actions of people that were taking a drug called bath salts. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Now, I remember. Bath salts have not vanished. People are still taking bath salts. Right. And they stopped eating people, apparently, right. right? Isn't that weird? I said, I said, I wonder if there was some kind of weird zombie outbreak. They're blaming on the bath salts, and now they've swept another. Cause, <laughs> because you don't, people don't just stop taking the drug. It, it's cheap. Right. It's affordable. It's easy to get your hands on. Right. Why have people stopped eating people? Did they put did they put the uh, the spin on it that this really did take place? Because that was weird. That was some that weird was really, news. Yeah. And it was like for three, three, three or four weeks straight, somebody was eating somebody. 
Right. I, and weren't they all German? Wasn't you were it like such a, a racist. Thing? Such a, no, it was here in the United was, States. Yeah, it was here in the U.S. Oh wow! Yeah, the one woman, okay. the one woman who was babysitting her grandchild got hopped up on it and ate the kid. There some was some homeless guy. Wow. Yeah, yeah, some homeless guy. Cops were around in the corner, and there's some guy <laughs> hunched over a homeless guy eating the homeless guy's face. <laughs> right, right. There's like, and it took place here in the United States, not just like the weird Germans that are weird. And will Why eat I anything. make fun of Germans? All right, well, I'm German. I'm allowed to. But, you know, that to me was a weird instance of, you know, if you're going to buy into the strangeness of the zombie culture and and Mm -hmm. the conspiratorial angle we like to play, that seemed to me one of the most likely points in history that something was going on that nobody's really talking about. True story. Do you watch the show iZombie? I do. We were just talking about that this morning. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so that's obviously a major plot point. Right. And I, I love the fact that they've, you know, that in that show, they do it with a twist that there's something. So I, I, right. I always appreciate when you can take something and turn it you know, on its head. I grew up, my first introduction to the whole zombie thing was my dad waking me up on a Halloween at midnight to watch Night of the Living Dead on Channel 32. Yeah. And oh, that's so great. Even with commercials scared the living bejesus out of me. And it still, to this day, freaks me out. But you, I love that the, there was a social commentary behind what was going on. And let's face it, the reason the people are so... growling of the dog, yeah, I know, is Yeah, someone's holding a dog. During, during this is hilarious. Right. Or is that Andy attacking Catherine? Catherine, are you there? It's my dog, it's an otter. mailman. Yeah. That's hilarious. I'm like, the growling. <laughs> so we have a dog in here, too, and yeah. every so often he oh, barks funny. and growls at nothing. So <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> or, I, or I have a zombie chained up. You Obviously. don't know. Could it's, be. it's one of those. Could Could be. Be. Have you seen the movie Fido? Oh, my gosh. Do you no, remember? that's I... the one with the zombie dog, right? No. No, it's Billy Connolly. That's Cujo. Yeah, that's Cujo. Oh, okay. Fido is a zombie, and they figured out a way to domesticate the zombies. To do your, like, mowing your lawn yes. and doing your work. Oh, that was right. such a good, I actually reviewed that on your show yeah. years and years ago. That and was such a, a good show. It's a great movie, and it totally sets its, it's, it's a, it gives you this very lassie vibe. Yeah. With the guy, <laughs> there's one scene where the kid's running through the tall grass all happy, and a zombie's running behind him, and <laughs> it's just one of the weirdest movies, but it's so clever and well-written and yes. done. Uh, but it is. It's it's that aspect of it could be anyone, our neighbor, our friend, our children, our parents, you know, our, our lovers. That's, I think, why the zombie thing appeals to so many worldwide. Mm-hmm. You've just got no, that, the enemy it within. anybody. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. And that's, I think, 100% why it became so much more popular after 9-11. And a lot of these narratives are all about, you know, the danger can be anywhere. And, with you know, shows like The Walking Dead, it's like the virus is already within you and humans are the most dangerous and like we don't know who's going to get you next thanks and, spoiler so alert they're all playing on this oh, yeah <laughs> i think that's revealed in like season two so yeah. <laughs> if you're very behind then sorry that's the w- limitation now my wife does no reason to listen or watch the the uh the walking dead with me she knows the whole punchline <laughs> uh, it's it, it is weird and I, I love the the fascination with these different things and the way the government plays it out <laughs> You know, sometimes it gives you that sense of, are they showing us this? Are we being uh, inundated with it to see how people would react to the fact that if something like a biological weapon went off, how are people prepared or understanding of how to deal with it? Well, what's really interesting is after 9-11, people said that they had been prepared to deal with, you know, the aftermath of New York because of the zombie narrative. Wow. So I think interesting. 100% there's this 
notion that it is, it's kind of this survivalist training that we're not getting in schools or from our families or from the government. Boy, I need to start watching zombie shows. I told you. <laughs> I know. Got to get, get on the bandwagon. I got to get you back to doing reviews for I me, Remini, so we can to. get you back into the horror movie no vibe. No kidding. I am really out of touch. Well, Dahlia, this this is an awesome book. It's a lot of fun. Uh, going viral, zombies, viruses, and the end of the world. How often do you hear that? It's a lot of fun, and it's a great book. <laughs> Talking about the Thank end of the you. world. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Check it out. We'll uh, we'll have links up and around for it as well. Thanks for visiting with us today, Dahlia. We appreciate it. Anytime. Anytime. And the good Let news me know is, next time you're talking monsters. We'll do. The good news is zombies did not get Alex. She's in studio with us. I'm here. We'll be back with more here on the Tom Bernard Show.